Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Mediocre Conversations with Tom and Drew. I'm Tom. And I'm Drew. And this is the only podcast where we will guarantee what you're about to hear is mediocrity. That's right. Spoilers ahead for Ahsoka and potentially any other thing in the Star Wars canon, because we never know what we're going to say. It's entirely true. We're on to the second episode of Ahsoka. Toil and Trouble. Which I guess I get just now. On account of the witch. I think is what they're referring to. Could very well be. Just came to mind. So you're making those connections. Yeah. You know, that's what that's what the people want. Yeah. They want Tom's connections. There's a guy for that. I I assume. You're right. Uh, (laughs) Another good episode, Abby. That's a different feel, I get I bet. I I'm picking up on. Um I'm not sure. I like, like I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Me too. Uh it's not quite Andor because Andor no. was hopeless. <laughs> right? I mean not a lot of good stuff happened in Andor. <laughs> no. I mean Andor felt like the um how can we make the least amount of bad stuff happen? And that's the win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, while you're trying to make the bad stuff happen, worse stuff is happening. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't quite get this fire put out before this other bigger fire started over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this one has, I mean, it definitely feels to me like um, an homage or continuation, like you were saying, to Rebels. Um, just because, I mean, there are there were a couple of things that happened in it that were just like Rebels people, I imagine, are just like, yeah, hmm. super excited. Like um, she cut her hair. Yeah, that was an ordeal. Now, she set out when she set out, um, she got back to her roots. We're talking about Sabine, obviously Sabine Wren. Yeah, everybody. That's her name. We all know it. Uh. There was a moment. So first of all, the full the whole episode is sort of will they get back together? Won't they get back together? Both of them want it, but neither of them want to say it. Ahsoka and Ahsoka Sabine. and Sabine, yeah. As far as Master Apprentice relationship. Correct. Which is kind of an interesting look into the Master Apprentice relationship. Yeah. Um there's so there's a, How do you feel about what they're doing with it? Well, I don't know that she's force sensitive. Okay. Interesting. And this is um, a little bit of Rebels, a little bit of having also watched the third episode, which I'm trying desperately not to talk about. I'll catch up this weekend yeah. about that, but yeah. That's all right. This next one, the third episode is only like 34 minutes long. It's really God short. Damn it. Um, episode four is supposed to go back up to like 45, something like that. But in Rebels, and we've talked about this briefly, she gets trained by Kanan Jarrus using the Darksaber because she has to go back to Mandalore right, and convince her family to help the Rebellion. Yeah. 
And up until that point, there's been no indication whatsoever that Sabine is force sensitive in any way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. Now you and I have talked and you've mentioned several times, the force resides in all living things. So anything that is basically living, breathing, sentient animal, whatever, Mm -hmm. has midichlorians in their cells and therefore is connected to the force. It's an energy field that binds... Not even living, right? Well, I mean, like, so droids are also comprised of the same stuff, effectively, right? When Mm -hmm. you get down to, like, a molecular level. Right. But they're not alive, and therefore they don't... That connection only runs one way. Like, they exist in the force but they can't feel and manipulate the force right because they're not alive but they can have it manipulated in them like yeah they could be jedi like, they could, could be levitated or yeah you know they could you know yes they are affected by it but they cannot affect sure anything else by using the force and sabine kind of falls into that category where the force is present in her because she's alive, but she can't affect the force because she's not force sensitive. Yet she gets trained, at least in the art of lightsaber combat, by Kane and Jiris, which I've always had a problem with because using the force in conjunction with the lightsaber was always a component of lightsaber training. So anyways, whatever, here's an exception. Right, you're basically fighting with with one eye closed or one hand tied behind your back if you don't have the force. Right, so the way that that I've always kind of thought about it is like, um, so what they're saying with Sabine is it's about understanding and talent are the direct things that allow you to use the force manipulate the force right Mm -hmm. so she's going to like by becoming ahsoka's padawan again at the end of the episode they're committing to like teaching her how you know and they always phrase it like and i like you do and i how i think a lot of people do is they're going to train her to become a jedi well what they're really doing is they're training her to use the force right Mm -hmm. we're not we're not residing by the principles of the jedi order at this point i don't think and does that um, exist now well i mean like or is it so broken that it's just like we're back to the basics of the teachings of of the jedi and not the jedi council and their rules yeah i think that like very recently you and i you and i had a conversation like the institution of being a jedi as opposed to the principles of being a jedi Couple episodes and like, back. I, yeah. I think that we are very firmly in the principles arena yeah. here. Uh, because I don't think that I mean we know we learned from the Mandalorian that like Ahsoka could have stayed with Luke on like, wherever he was building his yeah training facility and helped train Grogu and go find more people and helped rebuild the order. She didn't do that. She well that makes sense for her though, right? right. She Correct. doesn't want to be a part sense. of that. Yeah. That is correct. You know, like, well, I mean, she didn't want to be a part of what the Jedi Order was because they lost faith in her. Sure. And, you know, 
And so she walked away because she couldn't trust them. But now those people are mostly dead or not, you know, they're not Luke Skywalker. He wasn't there. Right. You know, so she had a, she has an opportunity to rebuild the order in a way that she felt would have probably been a better version of it, but she didn't. She's, she's out here working for the betterment of people, you know, like it's got to kind of respect that. And I don't think that she wants to rebuild the Jedi order that someone else can do that job. I think as far as she is concerned. Yeah. And it's being done, but she doesn't mind passing on what she's learned. I think the choice of Sabine Wren is a very interesting choice. If that's the case, because uh, the droid Huang, uh, Hu Yang, he says in this episode that she's got about the least amount of force potential that he's ever seen in a Padawan learner. Yeah, but he is also like, let's no reason to not train. Right. You know, and so I'm like, then I started thinking, you know, I'm bad at analogies, but I always try and do them. You know, if like, if the force is like playing basketball. Yeah. And using force powers like levitate or mind trick or what how we see Ahsoka flicker lightsabers down and into a circle in the first episode. If yeah. that if that level is basically like dunking a basketball. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can play basketball. Like I can try and use the force. But yeah. at some point the fact that I'm five ten and can't jump the remaining four feet two inches to dunk a basketball is prohibitive. Yeah. Now I can I can do things to try and get better at jumping higher. Like I can I can train and do that and I will get closer. But if I can't overcome that gap of four feet two inches with my training, it's not gonna work out. Now it is possible to learn the softer skills of being a Jedi, right? Like taking your emotion out of a decision, you know, contemplating, meditating on, on, you know, a course of action when a problem arises, like the act. Do you think that it's necessary to have access to the force in order to do those types of things? Can you do them right now? Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can. I mean, so it's like, but I mean, it's like saying, like, is exercise essential to what it is to be a Jedi Knight? Well, everybody can exercise. Sure. Doesn't make them Jedi Knights. Doesn't make them Jedi. So if we're talking about, like, I think that there's an essential component to what it is to, if you're going to call yourself a Jedi, the implication there is that you're able to understand and use the Force, right? And what we're saying right now with these examples precludes that. You can't use the Force. I mean, I can kick, but I'll never kick like Bruce Lee kicked, right? So, but if the if the minimum of like using the force is the being able to kick at all, you know, like sure, then like what I would say is you're playing soccer, but you're on defense or you're a goalie. <laughs> you're never going to kick the ball, sure, because that's and that's like the dunking analogy was where I was trying to end up yeah. with that as well. Yeah. Basically saying like 
there has to be a certain level of what so like lebron james is like six foot eight right yeah he's got eight inches on me and he can jump out the building like that his innate natural gifts given to him by whoever decides who gets what allows him to do that he is like a jedi knight in this analogy he's simply able it's like breathing to him there's no there's no effort or trying yeah and even he can get better at it you know through training sure he, he has what he needs to be able to do the very best things at whatever application he's trying to put his but, effort and will into but plenty of nba players never dunked that's true that's Still why the professional. analogy is not a perfect analogy <laughs> i think it's an okay one unless you're wanting to say that you only only jedis dunk in which well, case so, we're not going to right but <clears throat> but so like um I think that one of the key components of what it is to be a Jedi or like a force user, if we're just going to make the term more broad. Okay. To incorporate to, you know, include someone like Sabine Wren. Yeah. Is that you have to be open. Like, I, I still don't know if she's force sensitive or not. And like, that's the determining factor for me. Like you can say because someone is alive, any individual person, that they have midichlorians and therefore they can feel the force. And it's a matter of like training and discipline and effort and talent. But like, if you never are able to, I mean, being a Jedi is is a lot, you know, there's a lot more to it than like being able to pick up stuff with your brain. It's like, if we want to go back to episode one, when Qui-Gon first meets Anakin and they're doing the pod racing, yeah, Qui-Gon's talking to Shmi, Anakin's mother. And he was like, he can see a couple of seconds into the future. It's a Jedi trait. You yeah. know, that's why it looks like he has such quick reflexes. Like Sabrine, Sabine Wren. Well, we are talking Sabine. about the most powerful Jedi. Right. So, but like, <laughs> and I understand, I'm not saying it's because he's Anakin Skywalker and literally Jesus Christ of the Force. Yeah. But because like, he's one of the only examples that we have that indicates like, these are the kinds of things that like the Order would look for to help identify Force sensitive kids. Yes, the order. Right. But like the order is the the entity that is allowing us to understand what it means to do to to be someone who uses the principles. You yeah. can't really you can't really divorce one from the other except when one gets completely eradicated. <laughs> sure. But like in this context, Ahsoka might as well be the entire order when it comes to training Sabine Wren. Like, she is the embodiment of how she is going to teach Sabine. Where do you think she picks that up? She got it from the institution, Mm -hmm. you know, which taught her these principles, and now she's passing them on. I mean... So, like, but, I mean, Sabine Wren, I... It's nice, but it's like saying, okay, like, Drew Forsyth, like, go out there and play LeBron James one-on-one. Let's see how, how that goes. The fact that she survived now she did get stabbed but the fact that she didn't instantly die in that fight with uh what's her name yep shin shin there's got to be something there right like not only was she flipping around and stuff and didn't cut off her own head she stopped the other person from cutting her head off 
Right. So like that is the evidence that supports my belief that she she should at least be force sensitive. For and for the millionth time, I will say if someone, if I just picked up a lightsaber and I knew how to use a sword, yeah, and I just pick up a lightsaber instead, that is not the same thing as using a sword. No. And if I go up against someone who A knows how to use the actual tool, the lightsaber and is trained in the force and can put those two things together, that might as well be me walking off of a cliff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that's, that's, I don't care comparison. if you have 20,000 hours in, right. in saber fighting, right? So the fact that Shin V Sabine round one was as even as it was having, I mean, I'm sure that Shin is training on a regular basis, you know, yeah. or whatever, but Sabine clearly has not trained in years. And she was able to, you know, not immediately get killed. Did get stabbed in the stomach. But even the ability to, like, what we saw in Episode 7 with Rey and Kylo fighting, where Rey is effectively untrained, yeah. but her Force sensitivity has been awakened in her, she can hear the Force and allow you know it to direct her actions. I don't know that Sabine Wren can do that. But it's the only right. explanation that would make sense as to how she, you know, didn't get her head cut off in that fight outside of yeah. she just has plot armor and there's no show without that character on it does star wars do that well i mean i i mean i know i know the main character isn't going to die but they usually do a pretty good job of explaining why and not just like they were in a house that exploded and somehow Sure, they survived right. right like the indiana jones getting into the yeah the refrigerator. refrigerator and living through a nuclear explosion that's a pretty good example of plot armor yeah. um i don't think they necessarily have plot armor um but like in a lot of ways i think that like literal uh in literature in terms of storytelling the force really is a lot yeah like oh i jumped 30 feet in the air normal protagonists can't do that sure you know i mean so that's makes... like superman is impervious right. to everything except one element right right which everyone always gets their hands on you know yeah i mean it, money gets you whatever you want pretty much um <clears throat> so our antagonists they make their way to wherever was pointed out on the map or how did they learn about this place? They they went to a place, got a fancy little uh, deal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's one of two things I think that can answer this question is either when Sabine unlocked the map and then Shin took it from her. Yeah. The map in our galaxy <clears throat> either identified this point which is the planet Cetos okay or they were aware of this place and it seems like Morgan at least understands yeah a little the bit about Night these sister places. yeah so I I am leaning more towards Morgan knew about this place and told Balin and Shin where to go okay they seem to have a, a plan uh mapped out that they are following yes so they have been very i think very clearly this has They're been in the works building some time. sort of wormhole i believe right 
So um, what they are building is an enormous uh, hyperspace ring. Yeah. And so we, what we saw was like the Jedi fighters that like Obi-Wan and Anakin have in like episode three, when they're fighting off the buzz droids. Yeah. Those ships can't fly into hyperspace. They're stuck wherever they are, but the Jedi um, and I'm, I'm guessing other, other people have these rings that are basically hyperspace engines and you can like fly your little ship into the ring and sure. uh, then it'll take you where you need to go. Yeah. You know? And what they did was they made a great big one that can, you could fit a star destroyer in, which is a real. So, engine. okay. So they're probably planning to take stuff to a place. So, at the end of Rebels, the Battle of Lothal, Ezra convinces the Purgle, these space whales that can go in and out of... Yeah, we saw them in uh, uh, Mandalorian, right? When they were pat- traveling through hyperspace. Oh, did And did Grogu, yeah. Grogu sees a giant flying thing Yeah, before he goes and snuggles up to Mando. You're right. That that did happen. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. When the Purgle took Ezra and Thrawn away from that battle, it was on a Star Destroyer. So they're assuming they need to be able to bring a Star Destroyer back. I, I think that's the... That and this rig is capable of going far enough, fast enough to you know go there and get back which is yeah when you're we're talking about going to a different galaxy that's a really long way away yeah so so they go to this place that has it's it's constructed what looks to be some ancient ruins of some yeah. type right it's a little stone hingy yeah. now yeah now this is this is another interesting sort of um super technology meets ancient technology that we just decided yes. not to upgrade. And, and I feel like they're making the gap wider and wider. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you got the people on the eight bit computers, they bit Macintoshes, <laughs> you know, running the galaxy. And now we have ancient, ancient. Oh, and they go into hyperspace. They use, they use the, the hyperspace computer doesn't even, it, it just has like a, what looks like a heart monitor thing. Yeah. That's, that's all they use for that. Um, doing in the calculations with random buttons. And now we have a stone sort of sextant. It looks like almost mm-hmm. a giant stone, something that will accept the orb map that they have. And then we'll use it to project a Tony Stark style 3d rendering of the galaxy that they can then (laughs) manipulate to move towards whatever their goal is yes so it's getting so so much wider the uh technology gap which is great i just i like that they do i thought it was really cool interesting part though then night sister who's a witch comes over and activates the map to get all of that stuff going Mm-hmm. assuming it didn't get taken would ahsoka have been able to do any of this shit 
Well, she would a need to have need to know this place existed, right? So yeah. unless the map tells her that it does, that's a dead end. So let's assume that it does. Yeah. So she'd be able to get here, and then, you know, I would imagine she'd be through able to the force. All they did was put the ball on the little pedestal yeah. and then the pedestal moved the ball until it was ready to be like, okay, turn on. And then I don't know what Morgan did to activate it. If she just initiated it with she the force. She did somehow. something. Yeah. But the green flame, mm-hmm. green was, is the night sisters color for all their shit that they yeah. do. Their magics. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, so I'm glad we got to see some witch shit. Mm-hmm. But uh, now they know where to go because of yeah. that cool hologram map that was that was beyond cool. any technology I've ever seen, but has to be placed on the stone pedestal. Yeah. Hey, guys, the triangle is blinking on my screen. This is way past that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it in uh, in Andor like a little a little figure or something was like making a wrong wrong sound or something and then that tipped off one of the generals like, Hey, this person doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. And then like, he had to go kill them in the back room or some bullshit. Yeah. We're a long ways. Yeah. We're a long ways. I mean, it looked really cool. And it's, that's funny how, you know, technology is only going to get better for what we get to see. And, uh, so shit like this happened in the middle of what we know to be star Wars. Well, to be fair to star Wars here, this technology is not from their galaxy. Witchcraft. No, not witchcraft. Spacecraft. So Morgan and Balin have a conversation yeah. in the middle of this map, right? Right. And Balin says, this, t- this wasn't built by the Jedi. Whose like, technology or archaeology or whatever is this? Yeah. And uh, Morgan makes some reference to a others some other spacefaring civilization extra galactic that came here and built it a long time ago okay interesting so then balin says something he says a word paradia which i've never heard before Mm. that's a fairy tale it's a fairy tale that you hear at the temple and she's like fairy tales are based in truth yeah love that line yep so what I took away was a long time ago, even in Star Wars, someone else came from probably this place where Grand Admiral Thrawn and Ezra Bridger are to our galaxy for whatever reason and built these sites to come, like, point the direction to come and go, right? And um, you just have to have the technology to get from A to B, but yeah. this will tell you how to get there. It's a map. And they very clearly we're force users yeah and now there's no sign of them and so my question is how do the night sisters know about these people because the map was hidden on an old in episode one of ahsoka yeah the map that they're using was hidden in an old night sister stronghold on the world of arkan or arcana or wherever it was yeah which then we took this map to this planet Cetos, where another night sister, Morgan, uh, knows how to use it and 
you know, seems to have some good knowledge about this. And there's there's one other thing that I'm a little I'm a little freaked out about here. When she's using the map, Morgan hears like a whisper. And the only reason I know this is because I watch the show with the captions on. Yeah. yeah. And she hears her name being spoken to her, I'm assuming, through the force. And I think she's interpreting this to be Grand Admiral Thrawn talking to her because she says, Thrawn calls to me. Yeah. Last I checked, <laughs> Grand Admiral Thrawn had no time or business using the force, is no. not force sensitive. Couldn't kind of hates that. it, right? Kinda. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Kinda kinda is like, hey, this is a real obstacle for me to overcome in my yeah, yeah. planning. <clears throat> I don't think that Thrawn can put a message out via the force. And no. distance in Star Wars, even through the Force, matters. Sure. It takes a huge event like Alderaan being blown up to feel when you're really far away from Alderaan. Or when Luke projects his image in the episode 8 of the sequel trilogy to fight Kylo Ren and let the Rebellion escape, the effort to do that from another planet kills him. Yeah. So, it's a big deal. So, to even whisper someone's name from one galaxy to the other, I'm thinking you got to be pretty dope in the force to make that happen. And yeah. I think Elsbeth might be getting played here. Oh, sure. Well, because I'm, I'm starting to think whomever built this shit came here for a reason. And now they're not here anymore. And maybe they're back where they came from. And they learned when Thrawn showed up about what's going on in our galaxy. And they're like, well, we can use Thrawn to get these people to come to us so that we can get back to where they are. So they'll probably get Thrawn back, but something else is coming back with them. I would not be shocked if Ahsoka, the television show, introduces a really, really big threat to everybody. I wouldn't mind that. I would not well, mind it either. And um Balin? Bala? Yep. Balin? Bullseye. Balin um is an interest a very interesting character. I, I love him. The more that he's around, because he's not really he's willing to do bad things and he wants power. Yep. But he's but he's still like very aware. Like at some point, you know, it's like Oh, good. Ahsoka's alive, and and they're like, "What? Don't you want?" He's like, "We have so few Jedi, and she she's a great one. I don't want to lose right other Jedi, right?" Which is not something that a Sith person would ever say, right? I, I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> so he seems to be in this weird sort of middle ground, but he wants power. That's his whole goal. I'm not sure how he expects Thrawn to give him more power. My here's my thought. We have this group that works for that works essentially through for Grand Admiral Thrawn. Morgan, uh, the last Inquisitor, Maroc, Maroc, whatever, Maroc, however you say his name, and then Balin and his apprentice Shin. They're all Force users. Yeah. 
Now, having your own little quartet of force users, regardless of talent, is a cool thing. Yeah. And Balin and Shin at least seem like they're completely trained up Jedi Knight level yeah. practitioners. Or at least she is close to being a Jedi Knight. I don't see anything. I don't see any difference between Obi-Wan Kenobi prequel series and Shin Hadi in, in the Ahsoka show as far yeah. as like their capabilities. But they're all working together. Now, I think so. After Morgan leaves this little like map session where she's showing everybody the, the goods. Shin asks Balin, and I love the way that Shin, every time that they're doing anything, her eyes are on Balin. Yeah. It's gauging his reaction. She's How am I supposed very, to feel about this? She's very clearly his apprentice, right? Yeah. And if you'll notice, she's got a Padawan braid. Oh, that's interesting. So that is another hearkening back to the Order, as opposed, I'm I'm really loving this this duo. Yeah, because they see like if you want like uh, there have been several times you brought up the concept of gray Jedi. Yeah. Now, I don't agree with that as far as like how you use the force. Mm -hmm. But you want to talk about like your traditions and how you see yourself and how you build your worldview and philosophy upon it. Yeah. These guys are as close to anything that I would say. Do they have red lightsabers? Yeah, not really. But yeah. An approximation. is she his Jedi Padawan learner? Looks like it. Does she have the braid? Yep. Yeah, she does. These are all things that he was taught when he was a kid at the temple. Right. And so it but, could just be someone being like, this is all I know. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly yeah. that. Exactly that. And so, like, it's awesome to see because, like, there have been, there's this term called dark Jedi. Yeah. Okay? And what that term that term applies to more people who have fallen to the dark side than the term sith ever could oh interesting so when the when the first jedi discovered the dark side or what they called bogan yep back in the day and decided to start exploring that aspect of the force and then decided to leave the jedi order when the people the other jedi were like we don't really want to be doing this this seems unnatural and gross (laughs) And they're like, and we're going to require that you stop. And they're like, well, we're not going to stop. Okay, well, we're going to fight and have a civil war about it. Sure. This happened like two or three times in the Jedi Order's early history. It's all EU now, so it doesn't necessarily count. But like, it's, they're called the Great Schisms. Christianity went through something similar. And those guys that left, those people that left the Order, they're yeah. dark Jedi. They're Force practitioners who use the dark side of the Force. They're not Sith. Sith is a philosophy unto itself. Sure. And someone online, because I love I, I love doing this now, <laughs> is like, there's no such thing as dark Jedi. And I was like, it's literally the definition of a dark side practitioner. Yeah. Because there, there are almost none of them who haven't come up in the order. Right. Who, Which makes who, sense. So, yeah. Because the Jedi order has been around for 25,000 years in some capacity, some iteration of it. And there have been actively recruiting the other people that can do the things that they do across the galaxy for tens of thousands of years. So where else are these people going to come from? Yeah. So I'm loving the duo, but Balin says, um, like Shin asks him a question. She's like, well, what, what happens when Thrawn returns? And he says for some war. Yeah. 
Okay, so when I think of that, I think Maroc, Morgan, and Thrawn, they're going to go set up shop and get the Empire back together. But I think Balin and Shin are on this ride because they're more interested in where Thrawn is now. Yeah. And like these fairy tales from the Jedi Order. And if those fairy tales are real and they're the only ones that know about it, they might very well they might very well be on a path to something that we can't even really conceive of as sure. far as power. Sure. So, so they've like done some studying of some things and they're they're trying to get at some power or something that no one else knows about. I think so. So like to me in That's stories, really cool. Yes, I think it is too. If it, if I'm right, which I'm so rarely right. <laughs> but like to me in storytelling there was always good guys fighting bad guys and it's kind of this epic clash where everybody runs together in a huge melee yeah. and they're fighting it out and that's where the story takes place. But then the the people that you always really had to worry about were the people that are like, I'm not interested in fighting like that. I'm going to sneak around the back and I'm going to yeah. take this 1% chance that if I'm right, the entire, every, all reality goes away. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, and this is who Balin and Shin are as far as I am concerned. It's like, no one's going to pay attention to us because we're just two people out here doing stuff. But if we're right about this, we're going to change everybody's reality about what they know and yeah, how things work, you know? And so I'm very much interested in what that is. <laughs> now, <clears throat> you mentioned um, when Elsbeth was uh, working the ancient um, yet super advanced sextant that she heard Thrawn talking to her yeah or heard a voice now the same thing sort of happened when Ahsoka went back to Sabine's place to sort of investigate where the map was taken from when where Sabine fought Shin mm -hmm. and they're playing like echoes of what happens like you hear lightsabers clash and you hear you know Shin saying some things and uh, Ahsoka just sort of like knowingly looking around. Is she hearing what's going on? Like, are these echoes in the forest that she's hearing? Or is it just for our benefit and theatrical? I, I... So what I want to what I want to compliment you on is I think that you're really picking up on salient points about like mm. what this show is effectively about. And here's my take on that scene. Sabine is recovering from her lightsaber stabbing, yeah. which with remarkable alacrity, might I add, bravo. <laughs> but she's asleep. She's what, what I would describe as, as having a nightmare. Like when someone's having a nightmare, you know, they, maybe they mumble in their sleep, they toss and they turn a little bit. You can tell that there's, yeah, they're being bothered by something. Yeah. And that is what's being described here. But we, the viewer, can hear it. Like what you just described, lightsaber sounds, uh -huh. blaster shots, et uh -huh. you know, and Nate Ezra, you know, or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think what Ahsoka is picking up on is Sabine's distress. Okay. Yeah, the force, right? Okay. So, like, we talked, I think, last week about, like, well, how come... Ahsoka doesn't know Shin's there on the planet when she shows up. Doesn't right. she like emit like right, a dark right, side right. pulse or whatever? Shin. Yeah. And um, 
so I the difference between these two things to me is that Ahsoka is in Sabine's recovery room, for lack of a better term, you know, actively like concerned about her, her thoughts and her awareness are probably on Sabine mm-hmm. as opposed to anything else. Sure. And she's therefore able to pick up on the fact that she's in distress. And I she see. goes and wakes her up, you know, or whatever. Right, right. But then but uh what I'm talking about is then she goes to Sabine's house to investigate oh and everything okay. and like while wow, she's watching like she, you can see her like wave her hand a little bit, but she's like hearing like things that Shin said to Sabine during the fight, and you kind of hear a replay of some of it yeah. audibly. So some Jedi, and I'm literally Honestly. talking about maybe like a handful of people have like a uh, a skill through the force. And I think it's called like technometry. Sure. I don't know. But it's basically the idea that if you touch an object, if you feel an object, you can see the last person who held it, like hear the last person, the last thing that it said while someone was holding it, that kind of idea. Yeah. And my my guess is, is that she doesn't have to physically be holding it. She can reach out through the force and get the same kind of result. That's kind of cool. It is a remarkable talent that very few people in the order have. The only two that I can name off the top of my head are Ray and Quillen Voss. <laughs> sure. So it's pretty awesome. Um, I don't know about you. But I loved hearing about all the logistical stuff about breaking down the old uh, empire ships hmm. and um, where they were, where they were going, what they were using them for, cataloging all that stuff. Uh, that was that was very interesting to me. <clears throat> but also, like, so they go to the scrapyard where there's not supposed to be any HK droids, assassin Hunt- droids, hunter killer. Okay. So HK on the nose. Oh, very much so. <laughs> HK droid showed up for the first time, I believe, in the uh, Knights of the Old Republic video games. And uh, there was a really sassy droid uh, named HK 47 who was in your party, you know? Oh, sure. And uh, he was a lot of fun, or it was a lot of fun. And uh, the HK series has since evolved, I guess, or changed since then, thousands of years in the past. Makes sense. And those are the droids that blow themselves up. Oh, yeah. Those are HK series. Okay. And um, yeah, that would be like, hey, if you went to Applebee's and they're like, hey, do you have any CIA agents that are on your wait staff? Right. No. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. It's a really uh, odd thing to ask. And I the, the dude that they were kind of posing the question to was was like, no. And I was like, that seems like a completely accurate reaction. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and no, we don't employ assassin droids. It's great. The um the other droid, it sort of it reminded me a little bit about the bureaucratic shortcoming of um uh the empire mm-hmm. where the the one droid the catalog droid was just like yeah we saw it we saw an hk yeah oh why didn't you tell me uh well he outranked me so i had no ba- no grounds to stand on yeah my programming so, wouldn't let me say anything yeah <laughs> so it's just like oh yeah we should probably look into that like 
if they did exist, which they do, but if they did here, how would that negatively affect us? We should we should build in some fail safes into our droids about that. Uh, so it turned out, dude was dirty. Yeah, he was. Um, the fact the the place that they have gone to during the Empire was run by Morgan Elspeth. And okay, so, and so and so what she has done is she has secretively maintained control of this facility and this guy is running her like front basically like yeah you know oh it's a it's an italian restaurant we don't launder money (laughs) through it it's just that we just get spaghetti here naturally (laughs) come on what do you thought we're not the mob you know and um he's got imperial sympathizers up and down the you know, structure of the facility. Yeah, and it's that funny because they his, didn't get rid of him. While there, well, is he a sympathizer too, or is he just an idiot? I was, I was on the side of this guy's just an idiot. But then they take him away in handcuffs at the end of the scene. I mean, and I was like, oh, maybe he's not an idiot. Maybe he's an imperial idiot. Yeah. So I'm gonna go with he was in on it. So, and one of them mentions like, well, the main culprit here is greed, which might be alluding to him not being actively bad, but stupid and led to bad things like the empire getting all kinds of stuff. Cause he was just like, who's paying me. Okay. Here you go, buddy. You know? And like, he actually says that himself, like at some point during like Hera Hera and Ahsoka were like, do you have any ex Imperials here? And he was like, "Uh, yeah, they don't care about politics. They yeah, care they about, just care about getting their, money, their wage, you know. Yeah, and lots of people fall into that category, you know. Like it doesn't really matter like what party's in the White House, as long as I'm still making money, right? Like you guys yeah. can handle that shit, you know. And I do think a lot of people feel that way, but the ones that we once again see the exception in Star Wars, not the rule, right? So in this particular scene, everybody that was involved happened to be really caring about the political side of stuff (laughs) so and so morgan has been uh using these factories on corellia to and this is where han solo's from this is where he was he grew up yeah uh to strip the engines out of star destroyers and then she is taking the engines to this giant ring that they're making to go to this other galaxy yeah so pretty fucking ballsy play and like Hera is standing there in the control room and she was like that engine fits on exactly zero ships that we are currently making where is that going why are you working on it yeah and she's great like, um, let me uh let me check my uh my <laughs> here. yeah let me let me take out my fancy handheld from the 70s era yeah. football little football arcade game thing yeah we're back to the triangles and the squares oh let me see here but she's great and she's like oh i'm a general so i have clearance and he's like well i'm not sure so he knew something was bad obviously right because he because she's like hey nothing outranks me i get all access and he's like i don't know about that sorry he very clearly didn't want to answer her question right (laughs) and she was like I could make it an order. So then 
by the way, double lightsabers always going to be fucking cool. Yeah. Hard. Uh, if you like one thing, so <laughs> to kind of to kind of go way off base here, real quick. Sure. There was this Instagram post once I saw or TikTok or whatever it was, and it was <laughs> sure. like, I'll never understand what, why guys like to see two girls kiss. <laughs> okay. You know. And like, then there's this girl that's like, that's explaining, and it's like, let's see, here's this thing that I like. Here's this other thing that I like. Let's put them together. Do you not get it? Right, right. You know, and it's like, oh, a lightsaber. Oh, another lightsaber. That's like twice as good as one lightsaber. Yeah. I mean, that's how you think about it. There is a, there is a threshold of diminishing returns, but yeah. There was a juggling lightsabers to try and kill you. Hang on a second. Like I got a, I got one for you. (laughs) Okay. In the old EU, there was like a, a bad guy named lord nyax i think his name was and this was essentially like a seven foot behemoth that they put in a suit of armor and he basically had anytime there was a joint there was like a lightsaber coming out of it and yeah he, he looked like general grievous but like just walking around like some kind of lightsaber porcupine he looks thing. ridiculous he looks ridiculous but like that was something that someone came up with in the old EU before we really had any kind of like continuity of what was going on. And he was a big deal. He was hard to, he was hard to defeat. Sure. But he looks ridiculous. That's I mean, he's literally got like lightsabers coming out of his elbows and shit. I mean, it was out of his boots. I mean, it's just dumb. Now, then we get to see a badass fight scene. Yep. With Ahsoka and Inquisitor Man. Yeah. I assume is a man. Now, hold on. Before. Now in the middle of that one. Hold on. So it was it was cool, but the coolest fucking part is he throws his lightsaber just like we talked about. Yep. And then Ahsoka's standing there and he calls it back to him as the as the ship's taking off. And she doesn't even turn away from him she just moves her body a fraction of an inch yeah just to have the lightsaber fly right past her she's uh she's got a lot of badass moments you know she has she has beaten up like half the inquisitors sure she's killed like three of them and like kicked the ass of like another three or four of them and i would not be surprised if this guy to be honest, if I was this guy, I'd be like, all right, you got this droid, and she just takes off the other way. Yeah. Because, like, her record, I mean, like... She eventually used the droid. She, she stabbed through the droid and then was using it as a shield. Correct. And she was smiling at him while she was doing it. I don't know if you, <laughs> you caught that, but I was like, oh, she's she's completely aware of the... She's just toying. Yeah. So... um. I can't believe the Inquisitors wouldn't be like, oh, Ahsoka Tano, this is like our boogeyman. Right. You know? But I'll give him credit. Like, he stand there and fought her and didn't lose, but he did run away from it. He did run away. And she just ran into ship gunfire. You know, I thought about that, and I was like, I bet a lot of people would be like, I gotta get away from this. And she was like, well, I'm right behind this other guy. So I'm like, they're not shooting him, so I'm cool she's uh she's very analytical 
I'm finding. She's like, she's been quiet and pensive a lot, I think, in the show so far. Yeah, I'm to the point, I think, where I could see to add to maybe a little, uh, maybe we could dial it back to nine and a half. (laughs) She's too quiet and brooding for you. It's a, it's a little bit like even like, even on rebels. And I understand this is a cartoon show and it's voiced by Ashley Eckstein. So it's a different, it's a different character, but there was like, well, it's not supposed to be right. It's supposed to be the same character. It's the same character, you know, 10 years in the future or whatever yeah so she's grown up a little bit more yeah but like there was a little bit of like i can kind of let my oh sure we're not we're not actively fighting for our lives i can kind of i can let my guard down a little bit here and like share a joke or yeah appreciate you know or like you know respond like a person you know that kind of stuff that's not ahsoka's bag man and so far in the show and like i it, i think once again i think rosario's doing a great job with the character but I wouldn't mind a little bit of a thaw. Some levity? A little bit of some levity, I think, would be. <laughs> that's, I don't know if that's her job, right? That's that's Huyang's and uh, Sabine's. Although Sabine has her own attitude, right? She's got yeah, her own. They're, they're both broken or, or you know, they come from traumatic pasts. Yeah, this, uh, this version of... Uh the Jedi order, these Jedi characters are, have a lot of sass to them. Except. Yeah. Right. Except Ahsoka, you know, well, she's not with the Jedi order. Right. So that's helpful. Um, now. In. Uh, the Clone Wars. Yeah. Ahsoka was all about technology, right? Like she could fix anything right um she was was sort of her thing you know at like because and so like i imagine like i am not proficient at fixing things (laughs) at all i i call people and pay people money to fix stuff for me yeah you know but like if i was a gi who gets sent to afghanistan i'm betting you i'm betting they teach you how to fix that fucking humvee yeah if stuff goes wrong in the field right if she could do that and she was good at that She's always been extremely capable. Would I say that her thing is technology? I'm not so sure about that. I always thought that that was more like the army training that you had to have to be in the Clone Wars, right? Okay. Like, but like, she's certainly not bad at it. Yeah. Although she, I guess she's not really doing much now with yeah. in with regards to that. Her ship's been working pretty well. All two yeah, it's episodes, been, right? It's been working so far. Yeah. Uh, and then I like Chop quite a bit, who is, uh, uh, which I was kind of surprised about, but um, Sindula? Yeah. yeah, Sindula's little uh, ship bot. They yeah. keep giving them weirdly human traits and, and stuff, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but. It was great. You kind of always knew what he was saying, which you don't usually. Yeah. I mean, basically what you could do is if, you know, with Chopper, it's always like, I'm not really sure what's going on. You, know? <laughs> yeah. and like, yeah. you just dial it down one notch. And it's like, I had to think about what he's saying. Yeah. Like, I guess so. You know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, like, 
and it's always like you can always kind of understand him and he is sass personified yeah yeah so it's pretty i great. like that we got him in in the show you know or whatever like he's yeah. got these little arms and he goes yeah. and like he actually <laughs> and he, kind of he like flexed him when he when yeah. he when he made the the tracking device he's uh he's a lot of fun yeah i'm glad that he showed up uh well overall it was a an enjoyable episode. I, I get it just sort of makes me want to go back and watch the um rebels because I feel like there's a lot of stuff in here. Like um, you know, when when uh Sabine because like we mentioned at the top, um the whole thing was sort of like is Ahsoka and Sabine, are they gonna get together and, and join up again? And each one had an individual conversation of like they don't want me to do it. You know, I, I would do it if they wanted me to or, you know, stuff like that. They both said that on separate occasions. And then like at the end, like she puts on her uh, 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 Mandalorian armor, which which they made a whole big deal about her laying it out and stuff. And yep. Uh, and then she dons it and is just sort of she just shows up on Ahsoka's ship and is just like, I'm ready. Like. They didn't even have to talk about it. They just knew right. that it was time. Uh, did she wear her Mandalorian armor in the show all the all time? time? All the time. So that a lot. I mean, I, the overwhelming majority. I got a vibe. And that's why I was kind of saying, like, they did a lot of homaging to Rebels because, like, there was a whole to do about laying that out and get her, getting her helmet out and everything and, and putting it on. Um, so there's definitely stuff where I'm like, this is for people who know, and I don't <laughs> know. But other than that, I mean, it makes me want to go see Rebels, but I'm enjoying it so far, and I'm curious to see where it goes, and I hope that it stays interesting. Uh, it has for me. I've yeah. been very pleased with the show. You know, and like, um, this time next week, we will have seen, we'll be halfway through the show. Ugh. That's so soon. We just started yeah. it. I know. <laughs> yeah. So like I don't I don't particularly enjoy the double episode release. Yeah. Um, I would rather have eight weeks than seven, even if I have to wait another sure. week. Sure. Uh, because it's not gonna be I mean six months. I mean, we're not we're not getting anything for like six months. Yeah. So which is so weird to say because it used to be like, well, we haven't gotten anything in 15 years. That's true. That's true. You give you the more they give, the more we take, and the more we want, right? I mean, that's that just is, human nature. That's completely correct. So, oh yeah. well, I thought um, it was good. This show, the problem, the only issue, potential issue I have with the show is it's gonna just add another bunch of stuff onto the pile of like, who's this character? Where did they come from? What's going on yeah. here? Like, give I'm me some more Night know. Sister stuff. Also, yeah. what was uh, what was Balin doing? What, yeah. what, where'd he go? What, what, what you know. And I'm torn. Do we need those answered, or is it better to keep them as they are? They're they're mysterious one time character. So, like, if you're if you're the kind of person that's like, oh, I just love the mysterious one kind, like one time character kind of person. Congratulations, yeah. you've been living it up for like thirty years. <laughs> yeah. Now it's our time. Okay, so shut yeah. up. You know, I, let's get some answers. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm all about. Yeah, me too. If you if you are 
into answers and want to see more of things that they haven't shown us yet, go ahead and let us know about it and we'll talk about it at mediocreconversations at gmail.com. And may the force be with you.